Welcome to the Wife Mother Homemaker Podcast, where I talk about biblical principles and practical applications for women. I am Gina Bain. You are listening to part five of a series titled Living the Blessed Life. And today we are talking about the contrast between the godly and the ungodly. And we're going to be wrapping up our study in Psalm chapter one. So stay tuned. I think you are going to be blessed. Hey, ladies, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am actually going to start wrapping up Psalm chapter one. Initially, this was going to be a six part series, but um, after praying about this, I really feel like that I want to go ahead and combine what would have originally been part five and part six into um just one episode for today. So this will be the final Bible study portion of this series that we have been doing on Psalm 1, Living the Blessed Life. I am super excited to talk about what um, this scripture is pertaining to today. It, It has been such a blessing to me, and I've almost had a a shouting match, um, just wanting to praise my Lord and Savior as I have been studying these scriptures and preparing what um, I'm going to be saying on the podcast today and just writing out my notes. And I was like, yes, Lord, you are good. You are good. And um, I've just been um, having a, a a praise session with my Lord and Savior. So I really think that you are going to be blessed by today's content. And I believe that God is going to use his word to impact the listeners of today's episode. So we have been studying Psalm 1. Just to get you caught up, we have talked about uh, the the constraint that a happy person will have. And I'll just back up even before that, in case you haven't been listening. The very first phrase of Psalm chapter one says, uh, blessed is the man. And if we look at that one phrase, really what that means is, oh, how happy is the one and then the rest of that verse goes on to describe what the happy person is like and so through the course of this study we have talked about how that uh, the happy person does not walk in the path of sinners uh, and 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 hang out with the ungodly we live a completely different life So we think differently, we act differently, we walk differently. Our lives look markedly different from those who have rejected Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so as Christians, we ought to be able to live a life that people can see that there is something different about us. They can see that we are serving God and we bring glory to his name. And the second verse of Psalm gives us the conduct. So the first verse showed us the constraint that a happy person has. And the second verse shows us the conduct that a happy person has. And the most simplest yet profound uh, thing that we will find in our lives as happy Christians is that we place a priority upon reading and meditating and obeying God's word. 
that part, that one single thing in our life cannot be avoided if we want to live the blessed life. Scripture makes it clear. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation is a living and powerful word, and it is the word of God. And so when we are delighting in it and and just falling in love with the God of the Bible, and we want to read his scripture more and more and just be pulled into a closer relationship with him, there is nothing else in this life that can bring the joy and contentment and satisfaction and peace like that will in our life. Praise be to God for his living word. So we have the con- the, the constraint, then we have the conduct, and then we have the consequence. And that was verse 3. That talked about how uh, the the happy man is like a tree, and a tree gives us the uh, idea it, of of uh, of power, of strength, of victory. And this tree we learned last time is was planted intentionally by God, and He is our source of nourishment. He gives us everything that we need, and we are prosperous in what we do. We bear fruit, and we glorify God, and this tree that we are like when uh, is, is the consequence of putting God's Word first in our life and living our lives differently on purpose because we're living in a right relationship with God. And so today we are moving on into verses um, four and five. And, and this is where the contrast comes in. We're going to be talking about the ungodly. So if the godly man, the one who is happy and living this blessed life is like a tree, we're going to learn what the ungodly is like. And I want you to really look at the difference that we see here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to back up and just read. I'm going to read the whole chapter of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree, planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth its, se- its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So in verse 4, we learn that the ungodly are now compared to the chaff. So the blessed man, the happy man, is like a tree, but the ungodly are like the chaff. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, chaff is not a word that uh, normally comes up in conversation when I'm talking to people. Uh, but the time that this was written was a uh, it's a very agricultural uh, society, and they would have understood exactly what that was. So, just in case you don't know, chaff is the dust-like husk that's on the outside of grain kernels. So, like think of uh, probably wheat. 
um, corn, they all have this little husk. And sometimes it's burned, but most often it is driven away by the wind. And there are different uh, ways of doing this. It has progressed over time as our agricultural methods have um uh, you know, inventions and stuff have have taken place through the years and it's improved. But basically, the chaff is not used. There's no purpose for it. And it has to be separated from the the weightier parts of that grain. So you can uh, there are some amazing videos online if you just do a little Internet search for um, chaff or um, uh, threshing grain. And you can see all kinds of videos of how this takes place. And, and and I have seen some slow motion videos where you see the wind and sometimes they'll set up fans to create the wind that um, will blow the chaff away. And you see these slow motion videos of the chaff just blowing horizontally away in the wind while the the heavier useful part is falling back down to the ground and then they repeatedly just throw it up in the air and the little husk stuff just withers away to be forgotten um the bible gives us a metaphor in uh, Matthew three twelve of the chaff. It says his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with, unquench- with unquenchable fire. Chaff is used a lot in the Bible to give us uh, the idea of separating evil from good. Good, the righteous man, the godly, people, the people that accept God as their Lord and Savior, that is the good part of the grain. And the chaff is the ungodly, those that have rejected him, who are not living their lives righteously. And and they are driven away uh, with the wind. So when we compare or contrast rather verse three and verse four in this chapter, we see that the righteous man is like a tree, a symbol of victory power, strength. But when we talk about the chaff being driven away by the wind, that's a symbol of destruction, powerlessness, uselessness. There's no use for it. It's going to wither away to nothing. It's not valuable. It's not worthy. So there is a marked difference. We learned that palm trees and um, uh, uh, the cedars of Lebanon, that they grow up to like 80 feet tall. And we're comparing that to chaff. There's hardly no comparison. They're so opposite from each other. And that's what the psalmist is trying to tell us here, that as, as Christians... We should be so starkly different from the ungodly that there's not even a comparison between us. Verse 5 says, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. When it says that the ungodly won't stand in the judgment, in other words, they're, they're not going to be approved by God. They're not going to be acquitted or forgiven. But we are. 
because we have Jesus' blood. We have accepted him as our Savior. And when we live and follow after him, we're going to be able to stand on Judgment Day. But the ungodly won't be able to say that. The next phrase says, Sinners won't stand among the righteous. This has both a a present and a future meaning. Because, well, let's just, let's talk, if, if sinners are not going to stand among the righteous, you know, I've, I've often thought different times in my life, like how, how am I as a Christian supposed to show the light into the world and yet be separate from them? If I'm a Christian and I'm letting my light shine and I want to take the gospel to other people, but yet how do, uh, how do I separate myself from them at the same time? And I have come to the conclusion that really I have been asking a question that is not necessary. Because if I show God's love to all people, it's going to work itself out. Because if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and delighting in God's word and living my life in such a way that is pleasing to the Lord, I'm going to make the ungodly and the sinners uncomfortable. They're not going to want to hang around me. Because I'm going to be so different that they're going to be uncomfortable. So initially, there might be a relationship there, but they're going to quickly get away. Because I'm going to be living my life wholeheartedly for the Lord. Either they're going to get on board with it, or they're going to distance themselves from me. So really, I don't even have to worry about it. We don't have to think about, well, how much should I interact with this person or what level of friendship should I have with sinners? Because God's going to work that out. If they're rejecting God, they're going to reject me. But if they're seeking God and they want to be drawn to him, then they'll be drawn to me. If I am living my life according to the blessed man in Psalm 1. But this also has a future meaning. Evil will finally be separated from good for eternity. One day, one day, the sinners will be separated from the righteous, the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the tares. Hallelujah. Amen. God, one day, is coming for his bride. And when that day comes, the sinners will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. Now here's where I get excited. Because this last verse in Psalm chapter 1 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. This is the conclusion of the whole verse. The whole study that we've been talking about is concluded right here. Ladies, the Lord knows us. We are His and He is ours. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep 
and am known by my own. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Yeah, the ungodly perishes. They have a life that ultimately will have no worth or value. But when we are His, our life has worth, has meaning, has value. It's the blessed life. We are happy because we know who we belong to. We are His and He is ours. And our value and worth is because of Jesus Christ. I want to read you Psalm 37, beginning with verse 16. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time. And in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish. And the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish. Into smoke they shall vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not repay. But the righteous shows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young and now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of justice The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. On down it says, wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man man and observe the upright for the future of that man is peace but the transgressors shall be destroyed together the future of the wicked shall be cut off but the salvation of the righteous is from the lord he is their strength in the time of trouble and the lord shall help them and deliver them he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because They trust in Him. I believe with all of my heart that somebody needed to hear those verses today. 
Because I know that some of us are hurting, that some of us want to live that blessed life, but we just don't feel it. We don't feel that happiness right now. But we know that we are His and He is ours. Cling to God's Word and His promises, not your circumstances. Being a wife and a mother and a homemaker is hard. Living and following after Jesus is hard, but it is worth it. Keep eternity ever on your minds and hearts because God knows His people. And one day, all of our hard work, we don't have to be ashamed of. It will be worth it. Ladies, I hope and pray that you have been as blessed from this series as I have. Next week, I want to do something that is, is, is so, I'm, I'm so excited about. Because we're going to take all of these scriptures that I have been teaching on for the last, um, oh goodness, I, I don't know when I even started this study, but the last five series now that I've done, we're going to take all of these scriptures and we're going to start praying them. And we're going to pray them in our for our own heart and life and also over our husbands. Because if we want a transformation in our country, I believe, and in our world, I believe that it's going to start in the very homes of God's people. And I want to see our marriages strengthened and transformed. And I want to pray over our husbands. And so we're going to do just that starting next week. What a wonderful way to lead up to Easter and then celebrate the uh, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior after he paid the ultimate price to redeem us so that we can say we are living the blessed life. Join me next time, ladies. And until then, may you be living that blessed life.